Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Wow. Well, good morning, Journey. Man, it is good to be up here uh, before you as your new lead pastor. Um, you know, I really appreciate the elder team and, and allowing this, uh, this time of transition for, for our move from Council Bluffs here to Wayne. Um, it, was, it was a big transition, uh, but we now, we now have a house, and, and God, I think, really orchestrated that because the home that that uh, we have was vacant at the time that we made an offer. So we were able to tell the movers to move right in. Um, and we've been there uh, a week and a half so far. And all the boxes are put away, everything where it needs to be. No, just kidding. Uh, we're, we're, we're making a dent in, in, in the boxes. Um, so I appreciate the elders. I appreciate Justin Ralston for continuing to preach through the month of May uh, to allow us that transition. And it really gave me a time to meet a lot of you and focus on building relationships uh, with you. And that's really going to be my focus this summer is I want to get to know you as a church family. I want to get to know the church rhythms and the ministries. Um, so I'm always up for lunch together or breakfast or coffee. Um, so take me up on that, off on that offer. In, in, my, in my work with um, Christian Evangelistic Mission, or CEM, uh, we do a lot of starting new churches around the state of Iowa. So in, as my director role there, I, I would travel around Iowa visiting churches and, and doing things that I can do to expedite and encourage church planting. So I would, I would do a lot of overnight trips, and, and I, I kind of landed on staying at Holiday Inn Express um, hotels. They're pretty nice, but they always had a free breakfast, and that's really why I stayed there. So on, on one of these visits, I'm, I'm down in the breakfast lobby eating my eggs, and typically these hotels will have either like the Weather Channel or news station on, on the TV in, in the lobby. But this, this hotel, for some reason, had like the shopping network and infomercials r running through on their TV. So as I'm sitting there eating my eggs, this infomercial comes up and starts to repeat. It's like on a loop. It's cycling through. And, and they begin to proclaim the greatest offer ever. And this is a, a, just a beautifully crafted commer commercial in, in the sense that it created tension. It offered a solution. It, it presented hope and had a call to action. All, all in this like four or five minute commercial. And as I'm eating my eggs, I'm like, I'm getting sucked in. And, and their tension that they talk about is like the, the, the impending financial meltdown and economic disaster that's about to face our country. And I'm like eating away. I'm like, yeah, they're right. And, and then they offer a solution. And their solution is to act now and buy the gold coins that they are offering. And I'm like, they're right. I need to get their gold coins. And then they presented hope that if you buy their gold coins, you will be financially secure, financially stable because you have gold. While everything else is falling apart, you'll have gold. And then like any good commercial, there's a call to action. And they put this 800 number up there and say, grab your credit card and order now. And I start reaching for my wallet and then I like snap out of it. I'm like, oh wait, it's just an infomercial. And then it cycles through again. I start eating my eggs, and before I know it, I'm getting sucked in again. I'm like, yes, must buy gold, you know. And it was, it was well done in, in the sense that, you know, they even had the music in the background kind of making me all tense and then it relaxed and hope. And I'm just like, man, 
that commercial was well done because they promoted the greatest offer ever. But the greatest offer ever is not the gold coins that they were promising would solve all of your problems. The greatest offer ever, the supreme offer, is Jesus. You know, we're starting a new sermon series today that's going to take us throughout the summer called The Supreme Life. And we're just going to go through the book of Colossians together. You know, and in my first weeks here, I've been praying, you know, what, what should I preach on? And I was, you know, just seeking God and asking, you know, where do I start? What book of the Bible? You know, what do I talk about when I begin to stand up here and preach? And then, you know, I just really felt God saying, just talk about Jesus. And I was like, oh, God, you're genius. You know, it's like, this is exactly, why not talk about Jesus and point people to Jesus? And you know what? Colossians is the perfect book to do so. So my prayer for this series and for over the summer is that, one, you will see nothing but Jesus every Sunday, and two, that as a result, lives are transformed and changed. So if you have your Bible with you today or your app, open up to Colossians, and as you do, let me give you a little background about this book of the Bible. It's um, in the New Testament. It follows the book of Philippians that Justin preaches through. Um, and it's a letter. And like many of uh, the Apostle Paul who, who wrote this letter, he kind of begins it in the same way with this greeting and salutation uh, because it's meant to be read as a letter. So he, so he begins in the very beginning of verse 1, chapter 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So Paul writes this letter. It's, it's around the year 62 AD, and as he does, he is in prison at the time. Now this is an early church located in the city of Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. Now the city itself no longer exists. Now, from what I understand, you can go to that region today, and there's a m giant mound of earth that archaeologists call a tell, and a tell, you know, is the remains, the rubble of a city. You can go look at the rubble and remains, but the city no longer exists. That was temporary, but the message of Colossians is eternal and still is impacting lives today. Now, it's interesting to note that the author, Paul, had never been there. But a pastor from that church named Epaphras had come to visit Paul in Rome to talk about some of the issues and problems that, were, that the church was facing. So the letter that Paul writes addresses some of those concerns and some of the issues. So Paul writes this letter from prison and for a purpose. Because you see, there are certain people coming into this church in Colossae, and they were kind of stirring things up and complicating the gospel. In fact, they were teaching that, th that there was a secret level of knowledge that you had to have or obtain if you really want to know God or if you were truly, you know, found salvation. They were saying that there's a special people, that there was this mystery of a special level that, that you had to attain if you wanted to be part of the in crowd. So Paul writes this letter that we know as Colossians simply to say, no. So what is the message of Colossians? It's about the deep reality that Christ is all and in all. 
that Christ is, is supreme because it's, it's about greatness, namely the greatness of Jesus Christ and the greatest offer ever that he brings to us. It's a, it's a book of the Bible that tells us that Jesus is supreme, that he is sufficient for our salvation. And it's a book of the Bible that calls us into a supreme life of following Jesus. You see, Colossians is a worldview-shaping, game-changing book that gives us a clear picture of who Jesus is. And it calls us to dedicate every fiber of our being to serving Jesus. Because get, get this, folks, here's what I want you to remember today, that when we clearly see that Jesus is supreme, nothing can ever be the same again. So, so today we kick off chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first 14 verses of Colossians. And as we do, I want to just highlight three unique offers that only Jesus can give us and bring us into our lives. And that's real hope, real change, and real purpose. So the real hope that Jesus gives us comes from the gospel. It's not from ourselves. It's not anything that we can derive or just see, uh, that we can create. It's from the gospel itself. In verse 3, Paul uh, picks up and he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. See, hope comes from not on what we do on what Christ has done. And Christ's work has already been done. It was done on, on the cross. It was finished on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. So our hope, real hope in this world, doesn't rely on what we can accomplish, on what we can do, on the gains that we can make. So nothing that we can do can add to the work of Christ. And that was the issue that this early church was facing. There was teachers in the church that was saying, yeah, there's, there's knowledge of God, but then there's something special that you need to add to it in order to really know God. But a key principle of the gospel is that the work is done. It's done, not do. You know, have you ever spent time filling out uh, job applications or or creating and crafting a resume, you know, it can be difficult, hard work to make yourself sound amazing on a resume, right? There's only so many ways that, that you can wordsmith how wonderful you are and so many ways that you could tweak and spin just what amazing person that you are and, and that you should be hired above and beyond anybody else. You know, wouldn't it be great if you could just go to a, a job interview, sit down, you know, across the table or in the room with the HR person, and before they say anything, just blurt out, you know, don't bother hiring anybody else, you know, just go ahead and hire me because I am amazing. And then the HR person says, okay, you're hired. Wouldn't that be great if it worked that way? You know, but our hope that we have is not based on how well we can wordsmith our lives, how, how well we can spin our accomplishments, how well we can, you know, uh, flesh out and craft a resume for life. See, our hope is based on the true message of the gospel. 
That's why in verse 5 it says, the true message of the gospel is where these people found hope. Their faith and hope was based on that. You know, what is the true message of the gospel? I think a great summary of it is found in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing again, and, and he just kind of lays it out, what, what's really important in this gospel message. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And, and here's what he said that is the important part. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know, the gospel is centered on the word of God. It's centered on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for our sins. And you know what? It is freeing to know that our hope in this world, our hope in life, doesn't depend on us. That my hope doesn't depend on me because if it did, I would blow it on the first day that I had. You know, I'd wake up grumpy, I wouldn't get my coffee in time, and there's hope shot out the window, you know. The hope that Jesus gives us, it's real. It's tangible. Man, it's life-changing, and it has nothing to do with how good-looking that we think we are. <laughs> so the hope that Jesus offers is real. But Jesus also offers us real change. Look back in it. Colossians, picking up in verse 6. He says, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, the gospel is, is fruit-bearing, as, as Scripture says. In other words, there's results. It brings change through the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. You know, my, my, my own life was radically changed when I first heard the gospel message. Up until that point, and I, I had lived far from Jesus. I mean, just a total self-centered, heathen, pagan. I did whatever made me feel good and, and whatever thrill I could find at the moment. But over time, you know, I, I heard, heard it said one time that, you know, God can put a God-shaped hole in our heart that only he can fill. Well, that's what I was experiencing. All, all the stupid stuff I had done up to my mid-20s wasn't giving me hope. It wasn't giving me change. It was leaving me longing. So, so not until a missionary presented the gospel to me did I find real change in my life. Because every self-effort up to that point wasn't working. Now, since then, I'm a work in progress. I mean, we all are as we follow Jesus he keeps whittling away the stuff that needs to be shed, and he keeps changing and creating new things in us. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel message. And, and God orchestrates that kind of change in our life. As, as we read Scripture, as we seek him in prayer, we're drawn closer to the Father. And then the Spirit begins to work in us. See, see notice that Paul says it's the gospel that's, that is bearing fruit and growing. 
So he's saying it's not the gospel and this secret stuff that you need to add on to it. It's not, in other words, it's not the gospel plus Dave or my efforts, my work, you know, how amazing I can make myself sound on a resume. It's not the gospel plus anything else. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone that brings lasting change. You know, I, I enjoy... I enjoy going to the gym and exercising. and Well, I, I need to rephrase that. I, I enjoy the results of, of exercising, you know. And, and through diet and exercise, you can change the shape of your body. That's a proven fact. You know, you do it well enough, you do it long enough, and, you know, you, you see physical results. But if you stop doing that, you can see results as well, right? You stop exercising and things begin to change. You know, that uh, earlier this year, I was doing great in my exercise routine, and, and the first three months were, were good. I was seeing results, and then beginning week of April, I contracted COVID, and it just, like, took me out for two weeks, really sick. And then following, you know, my quarantine time, it took me another two weeks to recover. So for a month, I, I didn't do much of anything but sleep. And, and you know what? After a month of, of no exercise, your body begins to begins to change you know by the end of, a end of April beginning of May it's like man I don't I don't look the same things started moving out that weren't there before you know body shapes change and it's not just exercise even even as you grow older you know things start to sag a little bit you get a little wider where you don't want to be wider you know as hard as you try it doesn't last forever as hard as you exercise it doesn't last. You know, Jesus alone can bring true, lasting, and significant change in our lives. Much more than physical. That's why Paul says a prayer for, for all of us, beginning in verse 9 of chapter 1. He's praying, praying for this, this early church, and he's praying this for us as well. Because he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Why? It says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And Paul says, man, I pray that you live a life worthy of the Lord. And then he says, what does that look like? Man, that you bear fruit, that you're growing, that you're being strengthened so that you may have endurance and patience. You know, I've seen a lot of endurance and patience this week in our VBS volunteers. You know, they're, they're probably thanking Jesus right now that tonight's the last night, you know. And I'm sure some, some of you volunteers go home and pass out after each evening. You know, but, but why, do, why do people do that? Why do people volunteer for and serve in ministries like Vacation Bible School? Well, they, they love Jesus so much that they want to show Jesus to young children. You know, they want to share the gospel in such a way that, that our children can understand it and internalize it and begin to know Jesus as their Savior. See, what transpires when we give our life to Christ, we're not just handed the Bible as an external um, kind of code of behavior conduct. It's, it's not about, you know, a list of right and wrong do's and don'ts. And we're given the Holy Spirit 
who lives within us to transform our old nature and enable us to live according to God's word and his will. So Jesus gives us, he gives us real transformation, real change. And he also gives us real purpose. This, this section of scripture ends in verse 13 and 14, talking about a, a significant change that takes place. Verse 13, he says, for, for he, he's referring to God, God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, purpose is found in surrender. I mean, that's counterintuitive in our world today, but true, true purpose in life is when we step under the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. Because it tells us that we, we've been transferred from one place, a place of darkness, a dominion, a rule where Satan rules, and we're brought to another place, a new kingdom, a new, the kingdom of the Son. And, and so get this, our journey in life is not this journey, meaningless journey to nowhere. God has a plan for our lives. And when we step into that new kingdom, when we step under the fact that Jesus is our king, his will for us is simply to love him with everything that you have. Scripture says to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's his will for you. No matter your age, no matter what you do for a living, no matter where you live, love Jesus with everything that you have. And his purpose for you, man, is to love others in such a way that they see Jesus in you and that you can point other people to Jesus. And you begin to realize this purpose the more and more we give up our life to Jesus. The more and more we, we, we let go of those things that we try to control and we say, Jesus, it's, it's all about you. You know, but so often we look for purpose in other places, don't we? You know, we try to find it in our vocations. We try to find it in other people or in relationships that we are part of, you know, in, in different ways that do not last or cannot bring significance. You know, this really stood out to me a, a while ago when I was at a missions conference, um, international conference on missions, and it was out in Norfolk, Virginia. And I had an extra day before the conference started, so I was able to, to take a tour of the battleship USS Wisconsin. And I love that kind of stuff. I love ships and I love military history. So it was like a big win for me. And I was all excited going through this, looking at all the different components that make up this, this battleship. And this battleship was perfectly designed to, uh, you know, fulfill its mission, you know, launching shells and, and just defending and, you know, attacking all the things that a, that a battleship does. So there's a group, group of us going through this tour, and, and we're looking at different parts of the battleship. And, and there was a sailor in our group that actually served on the USS Wisconsin. So he's pointing out things, you know, to the buddy that he's with. And we come to this one area, and, and he says, you know, I used to be in charge of compacting the trash. And I thought, man, join the Navy, serve our country, travel the world, and compact trash, you know. He should have joined the Marines. <laughs> you know, as, as cool as it sounds to serve on a battleship, you can't, you know, there's not purpose found in there either, not lasting purpose. You know, Jesus has something bigger for you, bigger for all of us. 
and bigger for, for anything that, you know, in, in your little bubble. Jesus calls us into a worldwide mission with a global and eternal impact, appointing other people to him. And our purpose, that, that call that God has put on your life, it doesn't change no matter your age, vocation, where you live, because it, it is eternal. And that purpose is found, like I said, in surrender, in being a follower of Jesus. But, but get this, Scripture tells us that we're rescued for a purpose. Not only are we saved from something, from our sins, we are saved for something. We're rescued, he says, when we are brought into a new kingdom. And that new kingdom means that we have a new way of living, that we have a new king, in other words, a new allegiance, a new, a new uh, we follow something else besides ourselves. And that begins to reshape everything about us. It reshapes who we are and what we do because encountering Jesus is life transforming. And if Jesus hasn't transformed your life, then maybe it's time to reevaluate on where you stand with him. Maybe it's time to, to reevaluate the strongholds that might be in your life that Jesus needs to work on and, like I said, whittle away a little bit. Because when you follow Jesus, a couple things happen. You say, okay, God, here I am. Use me, mold me, shape me. And sometimes that can be painful. But you also say, use me, and God calls us into his worldwide mission. And that mission first, it draws us closer to the Father. And second, it sends us out to other people and pointing others to Jesus. I want to ask the worship team to, to come back up this morning. You know, when I was sitting there on that breakfast eating, eating my eggs and almost getting sucked in to that infomercial, you know, I got sucked in because they, they were claiming that they had the greatest offer ever. And it was, it was communicated so well and, and so thoughtfully that, you know, I was ready to pull out my credit card when they, called, when they said call that number. But folks... Jesus, what Jesus brings us, it's an offer, and it has to be received. And, and, and you can't get it by pulling out your credit card, dialing the 800 number, and paying any amount of money. It's a gift that, that he gives us, but we have to accept it. We have to receive it. So today, I want to encourage you as I close to do that very thing. You know, if, if you've been wondering about who this Jesus is, about what it means to be a Jesus follower, man, come talk to me. Talk to one of the elders. We would love to, to kind of lay out what, what following Jesus looks like in your life. So accept this offer that Jesus gives today and let Jesus begin to change your life from here on out. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the off, offer that Jesus gives. I want to thank you that, oh man, it doesn't, there's, there's nothing that we can do to make it happen. So, Lord, we come to you with just open arms and open hearts saying, take me, mold me, change me according to your, your will and your plan. So, Father, I pray for those here in the room this morning that might be at that place, might be struggling with what it means to be a Jesus follower. Lord, just stir in their hearts. Move them closer to you this day. And we pray this in your name.